Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I, I told you the story last week about how I had I had to go out and and put a new tire on, on my wife's Durango and I, I wanted to use the air gun, but the air gun would not work because it was like 20 below zero. To a Texan, anything below about 40 is that. Um, there's nothing below 40. It's just uh-uh, okay? And thankfully, that's when Robert wants to work all of his cows is when it gets to uh-uh. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I go out there, and I have to do it the, the manual way. I have to use a, a lug wrench, and for somebody with a bad back, that, that's not always fun, but it's always effective. You, you sure enough get the job done. And so I got the tire on the Durango. She got the kids off to school, and, and, and I've got to go day work. And so anyway, I go over there, and I back up to the gooseneck, and I winch her down and get everything hooked up, and I go to load my horse in, and guess what? Flat. I've got a flat and no compressor. I'm going to have to do it the manual way. <laughs> no, not really. I've tried that. doesn't work that well. And um, so anyway, I was like, you know, some time has gone by. It's been about 30 minutes and, and the temperature's rising. So I'm hoping that their compressor's warming up. And so anyway, I, I, I pull over there and I walk over to the compressor and I would like to say that I just prayed over the compressor, but that's not the truth. I kind of prayed over the compressor and then threatened it with its life because I had somewhere to be. I had somewhere to go, okay? So anyway, I sit there and I plug it back in because it had been throwing the breaker because it was cold. It would just kind of go blah, 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 and then blow the breaker. And so I'm like, okay, God, please, 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 please. Because I, the word, is anybody else like this? I hate being late. I hate being late. It ruins my whole day. And so I'm like, God, please just. And so I flip it and it blah, 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 and it fires right up. I'm like, yes, hallelujah. And so anyway, I get it and I stick that little deal on there and it's airing up. And so I go get Budhead and I, I, I get him over there and I open it up and the compressor's going and everything. I'm like, okay, come on, let's go in. And he's like, uh, I ain't going in there again. That had just happened the day before. So anyway, obviously, I kind of run him around in a circle and threw the reins over and stepped out of the way and smacked him on the butt, and he went right in, and I closed the door. And so anyway, I, I'm looking at the tire. Cowboys really don't need tire gauges. Those are for sissies. And so anyway, I'm like, yeah, it looks like you, you can kick it about twice. And, yeah, that's good. So I take it off, and the compressor's still, ah, it's still going. So I shut it off. Me and that tire suddenly had a conflict. So I did what any rational cowboy would do, any godly cowboy. I calmly walked in the shop and got the biggest dang hammer I could find. It was a, I don't know what you call it. It ain't one of those, one of those little sissy claw hammers. This is like a sledge, right? And I walked out there because I could hear where that was coming from, and it was coming from the rim where the bead was. I thought, I'll fix you. can't plug a bead. So I, I hit that tire as hard as I could, and it went, yeah, <laughs> look at me. 
Yes, I have done it. That, that is, you have just witnessed the extent of my mechanical abilities. It has been reached. If anybody, if anybody would like to, to, to subscribe to the Kevin Weatherby School of Mechanicking, it's not a long class, okay? It's not a long class. You won't have to buy a lot of tools or anything like that. Just come out, give me your $100. You'll be out of there before you know it. Conflict is inevitable. Conflict is inevitable. But if you want to deal with it effectively, here are three biblical ways. None of them use a hammer, although they are just as effective as that hammer. If you want to deal with conflict biblically, the very first way is man-to-man. It ain't going over here to this person and, and talking about whoever you have the conflict with. It's not going over there asking everybody else in the world what they think about it and telling everybody else what you think this other person, the reason that they did everything wrong. If you want to handle something biblically, you handle it man to man, mano y mano, face to face, toe to toe. There's a lot of twos in there. But do it, man to man. Go to that person and say, hey, let's talk. That's the first biblical way. The second biblical way to handle conflict is this right here. Shut up. Quit arguing. Quit arguing. How many times has an argument ever made anything better? Seriously. But isn't that the first thing that we do? As soon as a conflict comes up, And even if we are talking to that person, we escalate it immediately to an arguing. And really what it is, is let's measure prides and see whose pride is bigger. That's what an argument it is. My pride is bigger than your pride, and I'm willing to go to any length to prove that. If you want to handle stuff biblically, the first way is man to man. The second way is to quit arguing about it. Just shut up. Just, 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 and I, and I know kids, you're not supposed to say shut up. So, sorry, parents, tell your, raise your kids better than me. Um, but be quiet. Just, just, shh. And the third way, this is probably the hardest. Never, ever, ever take anything personal. Never, ever, ever take anything personal. So, let's talk about these three things. What do they mean? I told you that they were biblical. Well, I'm not just going to stand up here and say they're biblical without showing you that they're biblical. So if you have your Bibles or if you have our app, you can, you can click on the, there's, a, there's like a little thing on there that says Bible. You can click on that Bible. It'll take you to Version's uh, Bible. I will be reading most of the time out of the New Living Translation. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 18. We are in the fifth part of a seven-part series called Seven Habits of Highly Effective Cowboys. Okay, You can go back and you can, you can watch all of them online. You can go to savethecowboy.com, click on watch live. That will take you to our live stream page. And you can sit there and you can watch all four of the ones we've already done. You can even go back and watch today's later. So anyway, the, the part one, the first habit of a highly effective cowboy is a highly effective cowboy servant-minded. Man, if, you're only, if your only desire in this world to be a cowboy is so that people will look at you, pat you on the back, and you get to be the boss, you're not going to make being a cowboy very long because horses don't feed themselves if they're standing in a stall. They, I haven't found one yet that'll clean up after himself, okay? 
Cattle don't fix their own fence. They don't change their own leathers on their windmills. You, you see what I'm getting? You have to be servant-minded. That's the first habit of a highly effective cowboy. The second habit of a highly effective cowboy is focusing on what's important. And understand that whenever we say habit, these are things that you have to do over and over and over and over and over and over and over. It's not a one and done, okay? The second habit of a highly effective cowboy is focusing on the important, not the urgent. The other day I was doing something, and, and sure enough, man, we'll kind of talk about this in a minute. I hate it when somebody else is right and I'm wrong. But I, I was doing something, and my wife leaned over, and she goes, you're doing the urgent, not the important. <clears throat> Quit being right. I hate that. Not really. The third habit of a highly effective cowboy is right attitude leads to right action. Man, you, you would be surprised if you want to get something done right, do it with the right attitude, because going the wrong direction don't lead you to right destinations, Okay? The fourth habit of a highly effective cowboy is to be able to use the right tool, okay? Use the right tool. Talked about that last week. And this week, we're talking about dealing with conflict. Dealing with conflict. In Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 19 is one of my absolute favorite, most awesome verses in the entire Bible. It is, to me, the litmus test of, uh, of church unity it is the litmus test for, for a Christian because conflict is inevitable, right? Conflict is inevitable. Matthew 18, 15 through 19, Jesus is talking. Not, and this isn't Paul talking and it's, and it's not Matthew talking and it's not somebody with a good idea talking. Jesus says, if another believer sins against you. Now, in your Bibles, it may say, if your brother offends you. Okay, this is, talk, this is not a difference of opinion. This is when somebody sins against you. This is something, this is a serious matter, not just a difference of opinion. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. In other words, go to him in private, go to her in private and say, hey, I need to holler at you right quick. Come here. And you don't holler, you just talk to him, okay? You say, come here. Here's the deal. Did you know that I'm, I'm willing to bet that 99% of the entire world's problems could be solved with that one verse? If people, when they got mad, just went up to somebody and said, can we talk about this? Because you did this, and that's, this is the way I took it. Most of the time, it's so far from that, they're like, oh, well, I didn't mean that. My gosh, why would I think that? But no, what we do is, is, is we go over it in our heads, and we start assuming, and, 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 and boy, it just gets messed up, doesn't it? If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out this offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, then you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others and you go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. This doesn't mean get you a gang of people that agree with your point and go talk to somebody. It just You don't even talk to them about it. Just say, hey, man, I got to go talk to this guy. I got to go talk to this gal. We're kind of having some differences, and I want to take you along just so that there's no he said, she said. Would you, would you come along as a, as a Christian brother or sister? Would you come along with me, cowboy? Okay, yeah, I'll go. I'm, you, and you tell them, I'm not asking you to take sides. I just want you to see what is being said. Sure, they go. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or as a corrupt tax collector. Tough stuff right there. Tough stuff. So what does it all mean? We've already talked about that. Sins against you, not 
doesn't do the things the way you want. Do you know how many? There have actually been church splits. Congregations, the body of Christ, all the people that Jesus Christ died for, there have been bodies of believers that got so riled up and so mad because they didn't like the color of the carpet that the church put in. Or they didn't like the shades that were on the windows. Or they didn't like the type of music. And it wasn't their way, so they're going to create a big old stink. Shut up. My gosh. If we have become that petty that Jesus died for our color of carpet and the ways, you know, the, the way the pews are arranged. And the only thing that's pew is the stink in a place like that. Okay? So, when people... Uh, sin against you, it doesn't mean that they're doing something different than the way you want it. We're not talking about different methods. We're talking about an actual sin, okay? We're, we're talking about somebody that has actually done something wrong. That's who you go talk to. Now, one other point on this matter is this. This applies to me and Ty, or my wife and Kathy or Sherilyn. It, it, it has to do with both people say, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's the only way this works. This does not work on people that don't know Christ. They're sinners. They haven't been saved. They, they conform to the patterns of this world. They're not going to do things. So, of course, they're going to sin against you. They're lost. They have no higher calling to abide by. So, this doesn't really apply to sinners, okay? This applies to another Christian brother or sister. And the second thing, probably the most important about this right here, because this, just like that hammer I was talking about, this can be wielded in, in, in a dangerous way. Because suddenly somebody thinks, oh, well, I can do Matthew 18. And just because you think somebody sins against you or you think somebody offends you doesn't mean that you're right, okay? It means you need to talk about it, to discuss it, okay? But here's the thing. The goal is to be pards again. The goal is reconciliation. If you invoke Matthew 18, 15 through 19 to, to uh, quell a conflict, if you're going to be a man about it, if you're going to be a woman about it, if you're going to cowboy up or cowgirl up or man up or whatever up, if you do it for any other reasons besides winning a brother or sister back, you are wrong before you ever start, no matter what they did. If you do it just to see if you can get them kicked out of church, you're wrong. And God's going to see that. Your argument is null and void. Seven habits of highly effective cowboys dealing with conflict biblically. Number one, go to them in private, man to man. Get it solved. Talk about it. Be open to their side. The second thing, quit arguing. In Matthew chapter 27, we see Jesus. He has been arrested and he knows what's coming. And what's coming is he's going to be nailed to a cross and die for your sins. And he is standing at the mock trial, and in Matthew 27, 12 through 14, it says this. But when the leading priests and elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they are bringing against you, Pilate demanded? Now, Pilate's the, the Roman governor. He's going to make the final decision, but it's kind of like, like a mock trial type thing. Pilate says, don't you hear all these charges they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no response to any of the charges 
much to the governor's surprise. The next time you're in a conflict, how much would it shock somebody if you just kept your mouth shut? Most people would probably go, are you okay? Because you're not saying anything, you know, because our, our initial reaction is to, is to, you know, plead our case or whatever, to argue. Jesus didn't argue. He didn't argue a bit. When people have made up their mind, <laughs> arguing isn't going to change it. It's not. Arguing about it is, is not going to change. So when somebody's made up their mind, <laughs> why waste your breath? Why waste your breath? But the reverse side of this, of that, is this. You're not Jesus, and neither am I. If you're wrong, admit it. If you're wrong, admit it. My wife's been down in Mexico, and I was talking to her one night, and she asked me how my day went, and I told her a situation that I won't pass along. But it was a situation where somebody said something to me, and I knew that I was wrong. And I wanted to get mad at them. I wanted to get mad at them. I went, well, well, who, who do they think they are? Well, I, yeah, that's probably right. But still, who do they think they are? You know, and it, I, I'm serious. I told her, I said, it took me like two hours to realize that I can't be mad at somebody for pointing out something if they're right. Now, we can get mad about it all we want, but, you know, that, that don't make it right. Be a man. Be man enough to admit if you're wrong. How about this one? Be man enough to be wrong even if you're right. Because that goes back to Jesus was right. They, they were accusing him of being the son of God and all of this stuff. And you know what? They were right. Jesus wasn't going to defend himself. He's like, yeah. If you're right, why, why do you have to defend yourself? The minute you start defending yourself, it calls into question. Let the truth be the truth. If you're wrong, admit it. If you're right, be quiet. The truth doesn't need defending. You know what needs defending? Ego. Your pride. Your pride. That's what, when you, even if you're right, the minute you start defending yourself, it is your pride sneaking up and you're just like I talked about with me. How dare they, man? Who do they think they are? <laughs> Who do you think you are, Kevin? You were wrong. Be man enough to admit it. And, and, and I did. I had to drink a gallon of water to wash down that crow, but hey, sometimes that's what a man's got to do. Be man enough to admit it. And the third thing we talked about, Going, if you want to deal effectively with conflict. And if you don't, if you don't have any conflict in your life, <laughs> you're either the most blessed person in the world or, or you fooling yourself, right? Because there is opportunity for conflict. Go pick up kids at school. There's going to be a, there's going to be a car conflict with you and that other lady that you see there every single day, right? Whatever the case might be, there's always conflict how do we deal with it effectively? If somebody sins against us, we talk to them, man to man, woman to woman, cowboy to cowboy, cowboy to cowgirl. Hey, man, let's get this straight. And we do it for only one reason, so that we can be reconciled. Not so that we can say who's right and who's wrong, and by gosh, I've never do that to you, so you shouldn't do that to me, and, and I, and I, right? Quit arguing. If somebody comes to you and you're right, you know, I mean, if you're right, you're right. And if you're wrong, admit it. Ask for forgiveness. And the third thing, never, ever, ever take anything personal. This is probably the hardest one. Never take anything personal. You are talking about, you are talking, you are listening to 
Mr. Take It Personal. I, I guess I am the world's worst. I mean, and I, I don't know why, but it's just, I, I hate it about myself, but I do. I, I take everything personal, even things that aren't mine. Somebody may be doing something way over there. I will jog over there and wrestle it from them to take it personally, okay? And, and you know what? Some of you might be the same way. Maybe, maybe you're just scared to admit that, and, and I, I promise you, standing up here in front of all of y'all and, and everybody listening on the radio and watching online, it, it, it's double tough to admit that, that I'm one of these that takes everything personal. I mean, somebody doesn't shake my hand the right way, and I don't do that anymore, but you know, my gosh, it, it, it's horrible. But in Luke chapter 23, verse 33 and 34, Matthew, Mark, Luke, if you want to go over there, Luke 23, 33 through 34. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to a cross. And the criminals also crucified, were crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Now, I really doubt that any of you have ever had a spike run through your hand and said, y'all don't worry about that. But that's what Jesus did. He didn't take it personal when they nailed him to the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. 99% of what is said and done to us is a reflection of that other person, not of us. So if it's not about you, don't take it personal. A lot of times stuff is directed at us because hurting people hurt people, okay? Angry people get mad at people, okay? Um, let's see, where else could we take that? We could take it to uh, unhappy people want to surround themselves with unhappy people, and they will do their best to make you unhappy. But it's a reflection of them. It's not a reflection of you, you know? I mean, that, that's like somebody coming up, and, and, and they're, they're, they're carrying, you know, 300 pounds of rotten chicken, and they go, here, Ty, hold this. And we go, you bet, you let me have that. Let me take that off your hands and just hold it for the rest of my life while I stink. Th that, that's what we do when we take stuff personal. We take the baggage off of somebody else because they're just looking for a place to dump it on. Don't take it personal. If somebody wants to give you a big old sack of rotten chicken, you go, that's all yours, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to go this way. <laughs> you smell that guy? I mean, think about that. That's the way it is. Don't take it personal. Most people have a vengeful attitude. How many times have we said or done this? Well, I can forgive a lot of things, but now it's personal. I can forgive a lot of things, but now it's personal. It's, th it's those things that you ought to be forgiven. And, and here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Where you find unforgiveness, you find a man that has taken something personal. Anytime there's unforgiveness, somebody has taken something personal. And where you find a man that has taken something personal, you find a broken man living in a prison of his own making. See, when we take stuff personal, we can't forgive. And when we can't forgive, you know what happens? We walk over there, we open up a prison cell, we walk in, and we close the door, and we watch that person that just offended us leave all of his burdens left behind, and he leaves to go free, and we're left holding the bag, locked up in a cell. That's what happens when we take stuff personal. I, I never said that this was easy, folks. I said that we were going to deal with conflict biblically, and not a one of these three things 
is easy. When somebody offends you and you find yourself getting bent out of shape about something, you go talk to them. Hey, I need to holler at you. And just because you get bent out of shape don't mean you're right. But don't be wrong automatically by going and, and spreading gossip and dissension and, and uh, stuff like that. Quit arguing. D- don't, don't argue with somebody. I mean, y- you, can, you can tell them the truth and then just leave it at that. Ar- arguing never changes anybody's minds. It just makes it worse. It's like trying to put out ga- uh, a fire with gasoline. That's all it is. And never take anything personal. Never take anything personal. After I got the tire fixed with my hammer, I jumped in my truck and I headed out east on 86 and turned left onto Comanche Creek Road. I passed by Abbott Ranch. I passed by Kevin and Deb Bredesen's place. Turned right down 150 and went down there where Neil and Christy and Jace and Tiffany live and passed by where we first lived whenever we first moved up here and I waved at probably half a dozen people that I knew just on that little stretch of a road. As I looked through the windshield and occasionally through the rearview mirror driving down that road, I realized that there was something special about that road and why you need to drive down that road too. And that's what we'll talk about next week. Let's go to God in prayer. God, help us to be doers of your word. Your word says that the peacemakers will be blessed, not the peacekeepers. Give us the strength not to avoid conflict, but to handle it like your word tells us to. But that kind of strength can only come from those who have given their lives to your son. If any has not done that, let them let go of their pride and their self-reliance and take up their wings and fly like eagles. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby again, and I've got a free gift for you. This month, we are giving away a signed copy of the Simplified Cowboy Version of Proverbs. What is the Simplified Cowboy Version? It's a verse-by-verse Bible paraphrase in the words of a cowboy. All you have to do to get your signed copy of Proverbs is to text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977 and make a donation of any amount. Once again, for the month of December, to get your free signed copy of the Simplified Cowboy Version of Proverbs, Text Save the Cowboy to 77977 and make a donation to help us out. Thank you in advance, my friends. We sure couldn't do it without you.